Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. Reclaiming good practices for life and leadership in Christ. Powered by Greg Fay Insurance. Local agents protecting you. Go to gregfayinsurance.com and receive your quote. Friends, today on the podcast, Truman Harris III. Truman is an incredible follower of Christ and leader, and he's an author. His latest book, Killing the Code, is all about um, what it means to step out in Christian manhood, what it means to uh, break generational curses, live into uh, a new definition of your family's name. I think you're going to love this conversation with Truman. He is an absolute delight. He's one of the people that I met over at Five Star, and I just love the work that God is doing over there. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with author, speaker, and friend, Truman Harris III. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have my friend from Five Star, Truman Harris III. He's an author. He's a safety manager. He's a father to five. And he has got a brand new resource out that you're going to want to get your hands on called Killing the Code. Truman, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to share. I'm excited to uh, just be here today. Thanks. Man, I know that you are a guy that's done so many things in your career. You've kind of got an incredible story that we're going to get into in just a little bit. But how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Wow, I would describe it as a journey. Uh, <laughs> think about Proverbs. Men make men make plans, but God decides. So, you know, I've gotten a lot of prophetic words. I've gotten a lot of encouraging words. Those things have kind of helped guide me. I like to think of it as just walking with the Lord. I was telling a guy today, you know, I try not to plan too much anymore. I try not to get Mm. too comfortable because the Lord generally shakes things up and makes me rely on him in some form or fashion. So where I'm at today, I can say that some of the plans that I, that I had as far as ministry is concerned, some of those are things, some of those things are coming to pass. Other things are new refreshing plans that I've partnered with the Lord on. And I think when we just say yes to him, um, he takes us on a journey that's even better than we can plan. That's awesome. One of the things that we say around here a lot is that if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. You're a guy that's clearly been drenched in the word. What are some of your like go-to things that you have to do in order to be in a healthy place with God? Well, a lot of things are are really practical. And I learned this a few years ago after coming out of a really dark place. I have to keep my body, my my temple healthy. Might sound strange, but we're spiritual. We're also physical and they work hand in hand. When I'm eating right, when I'm exercising, that's when I've got that clarity. That's when I'm feeling the best. That's when I'm you know, not struggling any type of depression or or brain fog. That helps me to to be in a good place to receive from the Lord. I've, I tend to find myself in constant prayer, whereas when I was younger, I would compartmentalize my life. Okay, I'd have devotions in the morning, you know, maybe devotions at bed and involve prayer, reading the Word, things like that. Now it's kind of an all-day thing. It's, I'm constantly in prayer. I'm constantly asking the Lord what He's doing and 
just trying to partner with him throughout the day. Also bringing my wife into whatever I feel like the Lord is doing as well. That kind of, we bounce things off each other. And so that that's a really crucial piece as well. Yeah. Your wife's name, Ashley, you and are, are very open about talking about her in the book and kind of your team and what that looks like. Marriage is such a, an institution that is caught far more than it's taught. I'm wondering if you could kind of share the story of your upbringing and what you learned about marriage in that process. So my mom and dad divorced when I was really, I was around three, maybe four. My mother remarried shortly thereafter. I can't remember. I can't really remember my dad until I was around five. Um, I don't know if it was due to the trauma of the whole thing uh, or what, but my mother, that household was very religious. You know, she was a praying woman. She brought me up to be a, a child of integrity you know, to grow into a man of integrity, <laughs> uh, hence the name Truman, true man, you know, yeah. that was, that was always very important to me, my name and living up to that name. And she instilled that into me and the things that she wanted for my life. She spoke those things over me. I was always at the altar with her every, every weekday morning, she would have prayer at the church. Folks would come and she would speak over me that I would be a, a husband of one wife, father of one family. And so those things were instilled in me. I got to know my dad a little better. You know, some of the preteen years, teenage years, kind of when he settled some, as the book talks about, and I desired that relationship with him. Um, although during that time that I got to know him and move him in with him, there were some things that were acceptable in his house that teenagers would love to do that wasn't in my mom's. And so, you know, I, I do my best to honor my dad what I'm speaking, what I'm writing, because he he was a great man that offered lots of things, but those those two lifestyles were conflicting. Yeah, and I I fought with that for years, but ultimately, this one, you know, when I got, I got my teenage years, lost my virginity. That was one thing that uh, that was really dear to me that I wanted to hold on to. That was important. Um, I grew up with two sisters, right? So. <laughs> Uh, two sisters in the house. I do have an older brother, but I didn't live with him. And so some of my ideals are are somewhat like theirs would be concerning marriage and things like that. But I always wanted to save myself and my wife when I, I got in with my dad. You know, there were some other folks I looked up to that looked down upon my point of view and encouraged me to be promiscuous, encouraged me to... Uh, you know, play the field, you know, as, as they put it, wouldn't you want to test drive a car before you bought it? I said, well, if I've never driven a car, I don't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the foundation that the godly foundation always stuck with me, even through those, those trying times. I always circle back to the Lord. You know, as I hear your story, one of the things that is clear to me is that environment matters, right? Who you're around and how you're around them. You know, you told me before we started recording, you got five kids today. How do you protect the environment that they're in, in a culture that clearly hasn't changed much from your preteen years? 
Wow. Um, so, like I said, I grew up in a in a religious home, which religious environment is always a good environment. <laughs> I like to pursue relationship with the Lord and more more than just making sure they're in church. I want them to encounter the Lord. I want them to experience his goodness and know from experience how much he loves them. And so I do my best to to walk with them in whatever life brings them. I like to to communicate with them and do what a dad does. You know, show them, let them know everything's not going to be perfect. Everything's not going to be great. But when it's not, this is what you do. So I like to set that foundation for them. And also, I think it's hugely important in this day and time to protect them from media. The world does a great job of directing them on the way that it wants to go. So very protective of what they want, what they listen to. And I try to to balance it to where I'm not, you know, <laughs> to where I'm not being overprotective. But I think, hey, the Bible says, you know, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And what goes into them is what's going to come out. I think that's really well said. And obviously the scripture speaks for itself. You know, you you and Ashley have been married for over a decade now. And one of the things that I'm always curious about is curious about in situations like this is how, how did you overcome um that really dark season of your life? Right. So you you went from the darkness and now you're quoting scripture and writing books. Like that's that feels like a really big thing. Tell me a little bit about that redemption story of what God did in and through you. Oh, so I love this story. <laughs> I love this part. So my wife and I were living in Springfield and we were doing some ministry there. We moved there to actually I'm from Springfield, but we moved back to partner with my church and do some ministry in the inner city. And I was introduced to spiritual warfare at a young age. Mm. And let's just say when, when I was in Springfield doing that, it all got put to good use. Wow. And I encountered some things spiritually that maybe I wasn't ready for at the time. And it was starting to get the best of me. I started to to kind of let go of spending time with the Lord, let go of my health. I was way overweight, getting depressed to the point where I up my life insurance. I told my wife, I said, that even feels like the enemy is breathing down my neck. And I I was like, I feel like I'm gonna die. And you know, belief is so powerful. Like yeah. what what we what we believe we become, you know. So to partner with the enemy, I believe that if I would have accepted that, then I don't believe, I believe that I wouldn't be here today. And I could just remember feeling so hopeless. And, and the enemy tricks us because my life really wasn't that bad. You know, he just gets you isolated from the body of Christ. He starts telling you lies. You start believing in these molehills become mountains. And that's what was happening. And I was just, just praying one day. I said, Lord, you know, I need some help. And the answer I got wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting to be coddled and held and and babied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, I felt like he was speaking, Truman, I've made you a man. I've made your shoulders broad. And I've given you everything you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
And I'm like, ouch, you know? And so I said, at the same time, he was, he was challenging me. You know my word, do you believe it? Mm. So I started taking the practical steps, like I said earlier, of eating right, of, of, of working out, getting in shape. And that mind clarity came, um, started reading my word again, talking with him, marrying the spirit, spiritual and the practical, and began to get real stronger. And uh, so as I was reading the, the words of Paul, you know, talking about not being a slave to sin, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, I started to really uh, take that at face value. And I started practicing those things. And whenever a negative thought would come, I would cast it down, like the word says, and I would replace it with the truth of God or with an affirmation over myself of who I was in Christ or prophetic words over the years that I've gotten. And I noticed that my thinking began to change. I'm like, well, there's something to this. Like I was pre-programmed to be negative, but it takes just as much energy, if not more, to be negative. And as I saw that, that change began to take place. I'm like, man, I can use this in my relationship with my wife, you know, in our marriage. And so I began to do that as well. All the sexual sin that I carried into our relationship, all of that baggage of being with, you know, multiple people before pornography, the cycles of pornography, using it as, as coping, you know, as I looked, you know, told her in the beginning of our marriage, I was like, you know, these are things that I battle with. We were friends before anything and so we always were very open with our communication and she's like no you're going to do better than cope with it if you're going to be with me like that's a really low bar like yeah it's not <laughs> happening right it's, and so as i begin to practice that practice casting down those thoughts and replacing those with god's truth and not allowing intrusive thoughts to drag me around not comparison you know or Pornography, like once I cut off pornography, I noticed the depression that I struggled with. Other things that came in with that fear, that uh, things that I I would make no generally make no association, but I'd recognize that those things had fallen off. And I believe there's just an open door for the enemy to come in. Those things begin to just fall off, and I'm like, wow, this is I've tapped into something really powerful. The word talks about it. It talks about our words. It talks about how we speak and how we think, you know, our mind guides this and this creates the atmosphere around us. And, you know, so I don't practice these things, like I say, from a, from a new age book, but I, I do them biblically. Like the word talks and my life has changed as a result. You know, I tell the guys, I do teach a couple groups, informal groups around the book, but I tell them, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not a, I, I'm not a slave. Okay. I don't undress a woman with with my eyes and that thought, you know, just cycles around in my head for two or three weeks, you know, like it used to, that pornography doesn't have a hold on me, you know, mm. and it's just, it's really powerful. And so I've just been kind of growing in that and growing in my identity all the while the Lord was revealing to me that of who I was in Him. And that really changed everything, <laughs> knowing that I was loved, you know. Uh, Knowing, experiencing his love and, and having my my baby boy showed me, like, you love him that much? 
God loves you more. You know, it just mm. it wrecked me. And so the combination, it was just like, I always try to put, you know, make everything out of an equation, but God can't be, you know, his works can't be compressed to this plus this equals this. I mean, it's, I, I believe he tailor, tailors our deliverance and our, our paths according to, to us individually, uh, as individuals and where we are, you know, in life. I can't say this or that one thing brought me to this. It's just been a, a mixture of all these things and his goodness and his ability and his desire to complete what he's already started. And uh, me just aligning up with that. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Truman to remind you to check out the Life and Leadership Newsletter comes out every single week it's chock full of resources an article from me or nicole and an opportunity to grow in life and leadership at the end of the day our goal is to help you walk with integrity in all that you do let me ask you this you're you're talking to a lot of leaders right now there are a lot of christian leaders who are going to go to work on monday or wednesday or friday or whatever and life is going to smack them square in the head right like you're a safety manager for a huge uh, HVAC construction services company. You're traveling all over the state of Ohio, long days, demanding hours. When you approach a situation where you walk in and like the vibe is just not good, like it's it's toxic even, right? And of course, that's not the case where you work. But like, let's say you walk into a situation where maybe it's like, it's just been a really hard day already. Take me through the practical steps of how do you how do you capture that thought and how do you cast it down? Because I think I think a lot of people hear the words that you're saying, but they don't mm-hmm. actually know what to do. Like so, maybe maybe do a little role play for us, Truman. Mm-hmm. And then also, I, I want to dig a little deeper into to that very thing as come on as well. But okay, so you know, I come in and the vibe's not well. You know, people are are getting on my nerves <laughs> you know I, I have the option to partner with the enemy and what he's doing and what he's trying to accomplish or to partner with the real reality and that's what jesus is trying to accomplish and jesus was an atmosphere changer mm. he's created us in his image he's created us to do the same thing so if i'm coming into that atmosphere and that atmosphere is changing me then i'm not being who i'm supposed to be you know I just make a conscious decision to ask the Lord what he's doing, what he's accomplishing, and I'll choose to partner with him and agree with him. Okay, this is not the reality. This is what the, the enemy's trying to do. The Lord is is releasing peace. Okay, the Lord is, or whatever it is, I feel like he wants to do in this situation. And I might even speak that under my breath or Say it in, you know, say it in my head and, and just begin to pray over that, pray over that. But uh, we underestimate what we carry, uh, having the Holy Spirit. Like, environment should change when we step in the, in the room. We should, yeah. you know, if we're spending any amount of time in a workspace and that workspace doesn't change, we're coming into agreement with what the enemy's doing. And sometimes it takes a little while because you have, it might not only be an atmosphere, it might be a culture. You know, there might be a culture of whatever, but I think just remaining consistent in who we are, people seeing that as an example, uh, being solid <laughs> in who we are and knowing what we carry is, is is huge, you know? That's really good. And you mentioned drilling down on it even more. 
what's the next level of what we should think about as we enter into these places? Um, I would say, I always like to think of the more that the Lord is accomplishing. Mm. Like it's, it's usually much bigger than what we're just feeling. Right. You talked about, uh, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought here. Uh, it's, it's usually more than just surface. Like the Lord is usually at work on a bigger, a bigger level. And so when I come in and I'm feeling like, uh, tired of the mundane, I'm like, I find things to look forward to throughout the day. And I try to, I'll talk to them. My wife was asking me about this the other day. She's like, how do you, you know, how do you navigate like wanting to do so much ministry wise and wanting to affect so many people, but deal with just work. And I'm like, it doesn't matter where we're at. Like God is always doing something and always doing something big. Great. Mm. And always affecting people. And so, um, I like to just recognize I'll bring myself in uh, to, well, I'll, I'll say this, I guess it's better like this. I remind myself continually that wherever I'm at is for a purpose and that I'm going to partner with the Lord and accomplish what he had to accomplish. And typically that's releasing him. And being a light, oh, being a light, hello? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. But usually that's releasing him and releasing his presence and drawing others, being an example to draw others to to him. So one of the things that you talk about in the book is this idea about killing the code. And you're talking about the man code. And so what is the tension between toxic masculinity and kind of the way that the world sees it and biblical manhood and the way that that you see it. Can you reframe the question? Sure. Talk to me about the difference between toxic masculinity, you know, the the idea of the old man code and what you're hoping to establish here with the new man code. Okay. Gotcha. So I can best describe it in the example of how I grew up. So it was it was something that celebrated the mistreatment of women, mm-hmm. whether it was multiple sexual partners, infidelity, not being honest with your woman, not being open about how you feel, you know, not not being honest about your feelings, holding things in, uh, being deceitful. The biggest one, though, like I said, was just promiscuity. And and there's a saying that as long as you're taking care of home, ain't nothing wrong. <laughs> and I saw that with a, a girl I dated uh, long, many years ago. Um, her father had uh, an entire family, and it was just uh, another family in the city, and it just wasn't talked about. He took care of the bills. He took care of the finances. Mm. And, you know, that's just the way it was. And so I want to deconstruct that. I want to make it cool to be a one woman man. I want to make it cool to be a father who's present, you know, 
I, I hate seeing hurting kids. And that's, that's the reason why I wrote this book. I didn't want any kids to hurt the way I felt being, you know, in, in a broken home. And, you know, there's, what I'm finding is it's so fulfilling to, to follow the book of Proverbs. You know, it's not burdensome being these things, being satisfied with the life of your youth mm-hmm. and doing, taking those steps aren't burdensome and they're not meant to, the direction of the, of the word is not meant to be overbearing or just full of rules, but it's to, to guide our lives and to help us to live good, fulfilling lives. And so I just want this to be, the book to be a modern day sort of like a modern day book of proverbs it, it's written in our language hey <laughs> you know this this will help you live a good life this will help you um, build a, a good strong relationship and that's what that's what I that's what I want to do the the new code is is teaching our our sons to respect our wives to not be promiscuous save yourself till marriage uh, make it cool to save yourself, you know, for your future wife. Yeah, let me let me ask you this. I, I hear uh, so much vision in your voice when I think about what God's calling you to. It's clear to me that you're on the the verge of like doing some impressive and crazy things. A year from now, what are we celebrating that God has done in your life? Hmm. Oh. We are celebrating touching more lives through my book, Killing the Code. I don't know what that looks like, but it's it's taken a turn now to that I didn't expect, where it's just it's blessing a lot of people and a lot of different demographics. Uh, I wrote it primarily for primarily for men, although it's kind of geared towards women as well, but just it's blessing a lot of people and opening up a lot of doors, mm. uh, a lot of opportunity for me. And I'm scared to even say what that's going to look like. Um, you know, my wife has, she has big, big dreams and big aspirations. She says, it's going to be a movie. And I should, I should probably take it. She's, she's right on a lot of things. <laughs> I'm a little more safe, although I know the Lord, you know, he, he, he blows my mind, but Really, it's it's just blessing more people. It's it's getting into the hands of, of a lot more folks. And I really want to be in a place where, you know, I love I love the company I work for. I love the partnership between Five Star and Emerge. And uh really, man, I just want to be in a place to be to be able to to reach more people on a on a personal level and you know, on a on a larger scale as well. So I don't know, be in prayer with me about that. <laughs> we will. Because, uh, we will. I, tr- I try not to. I try not to to think into it or, or plan too much into it because, like I said, I've had a lot of plans and and God tends to to do things in a different way and supersede them a lot a lot of times. So it'll be interesting to see. That's awesome. Okay, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know that the podcast family is going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all things Truman Harris the Third? All things Truman Harris the Third. So we have a 
Facebook, Sherman and Ashley Harris. Um, we also have a uh, Facebook page called Harris 3. And it is basically just kind of a look into our lives. You know, we're, we're practicing being a little more self-sustaining. We've got a small hobby farm. I kind of keep people updated on my hunts and whatever animals we have. The kind of things we do as a family as well. Um, I've got a, a Facebook page for Killing the Code. And it's just Killing the Code. And then killingthecode.com. That's the website. Um, you can also find the book uh, on Amazon. So we have the Kindle version. And then we have the uh, paperback. I love it. Love it. Okay, and we'll link to all those in the show notes. So then the last question I love to ask people, it's an advice question, except I get to have you go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice. Except I get to name the season of life that you're in. And so I want to take you back to the day before you get married. You're getting ready to walk Ashley. You're getting ready to walk with Ashley down the aisle. Your whole life's going to change. If you could go back to that moment, sit knee to knee with that younger version of yourself, hold his hand, look him in the eye, and tell him one thing about the journey he's about to go on, what's the piece of advice you're giving him? Learn to love. Hmm. And I, I give that advice because when you are truly loving, uh no fault can be found in you. And in my case, I learned later in life that when I'm loving my wife, how she needs to be loved, if we're disagreeing, if we're not on the same page by me loving, I don't even have to say a word that softens her heart and yeah. brings us together, causes us to be a team. Beautiful. Really well said. Truman, I deeply appreciate our time together today for the opportunity, even despite all of our technical difficulties in the beginning, I'm glad, so glad that we got to connect today. And I got to introduce you to some of my favorite people, my podcast family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Thank, thank, thank you, Tony. Thank all your listeners and you guys be blessed. And I'm, I'm praying for you all. I told you guys what a great conversation with Truman. I just absolutely love his heart. I love the way he loves the Lord and his family. And I love what he's trying to do for his community. Hey, if you found this conversation helpful, do me a favor, pick up Truman's latest book, Killing the Cur Code, Truman Harris III. We'll have the links in all the show notes. As always, I'm so especially thankful for you as we kick off 2024. Wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for listening and sharing the, the episode. Every time you do that, it's the highest compliment you can give us. So remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.